podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommy's on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed and we're recording this in what we uh, what we can't cope with over here, which is hot weather. Um, it's just another reason to hate summer, as well as no no proper football, no proper sport. It's too hot. It's just too warm. Um, but today was the day as we record this that the fixtures came out, so now we can start properly looking forward to those um, freezing cold nights in the middle of October and November and stuff, and those um, miserable rainy days in February, or at least only miserable for the weather, I hope. But if it's anything like last season, then maybe it's going to be miserable for the football as well. But I don't know, fixtures, you've had a good look at them, Jay. Are you, are you happy with them as much as you can be? Uh I think the best way to sum it up is you've got to play everyone twice. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, you look at the fixture list and, you know, you'd always, we knew we were away first game because of the stadium uh, expansion. Um, but you kind of think, you know, just give us a, a relatively okay first game. You know, we had problems on the road last year, uh, well documented. We were very poor. Um, so why not face Chelsea? <laughs> you know, as poor as Chelsea were. Pochettino, a proper manager uh, in charge. Um, God knows how many players Sweeney Todd are going to sign in the summer, but hardly a, a blessing from the old random fixture calculator um, that spits us out every year. But uh, I would say it, it's a test and start, especially again on the road. You know, you're looking through our first like four or five games. We've got a, a trip to Chelsea, a trip to Newcastle, a trip to Wolves, a trip to Spurs, a trip to Brighton or before uh, the Derby at home on the 21st of October. And if I remember rightly, um, I think from them return fixtures of last season, uh, we beat Newcastle, uh, drew at Chelsea. I think we drew away at Spurs. We, we got Howard away at Brighton. Um, and I think, I can't remember how, what we got out of Wolves because the Wolves games tend to be pretty mind-numbing. Um, we probably we got beat, I think. Because we had the FA Cup as well, didn't we? And- I think that was a weird paradox where we played Wolves and Brighton like five games out of seven yeah. um, between January and February so they all merged into one but if I remember rightly I think Matip had a howler against Wolves and we, we lost um, so yeah like you shelved that season and that form but it does it does point to the fact that we've we've got to get our, our shit in order basically before we, we start the season uh, because you know nothing's won at the beginning of the season, you know, ask Arsenal that. But things can be lost, like, you know, ask Liverpool that. Like, we, we were poor last year. Um, and, you know, we paid the price in the end for, for not getting to the, the fatal Champions League positions. But it, it's going to be a big season for everybody, especially, obviously, given 
where we finished and you know revenues and can we sign players can we afford not to players and whatever um it just puts a stark reality on it and it's two months i think roughly this weekend as we look at it now until we play chelsea so there's a lot of hard work to be done but it does whet the appetite for for the return of real football only that you know it sort of finished a few days ago. Yeah, I think this Chelsea is going to be a tougher proposition than the last Chelsea and the one just before that, the one with Big Frank and, you know, good old Frank and um, Tom before him. Um, I don't know, I just think this this one's going to be a tough Chelsea. This one's going to be doing a lot to make up for last season. Even if even if it ends up being a false dawn for them, we're the ones that's in their little dawn as they start the season, you know, and I noticed that one's the only one that's listed as a Sunday, so presumably that's already been picked. Yes, it's the four thirty. Yeah. Um so the for anyone who's who gives a damn, um the early fixtures are out. So uh, the opening weekend, um Man City surprisingly have got a trip to Burnley, Vincent Company and all that. You know, the again the random fixture calculator oh, yeah. spits that one out. Uh, so that's your Friday night football for for Carragher and Neville to get all excited about. Um you sat the on TNT Sports because, you know, BT have got rid of Jake Humphreys and decided to rebrand themselves and be a bit cooler. <laughs> um, they're, they're hosting Forest at home at the lunchtime kickoff. And then uh, there's a host of three o'clocks. You're 5.30, uh, Newcastle versus Villa, which in all essence should be a decent tie given what both teams ended up finishing with last season under Emery and Eddie Howe respectively. Um, Super Sunday is Brentford versus Spurs. And then we go to Chelsea. So, you know, why not just load West London with loads of fans? That makes sense. And then uh, Monday Night Football is Wolves at home to... Uh, sorry, Monday Night's at home to Wolves. So, yeah. Um, that, that stuck out to me as well. Like, why are we why are we having Super Sunday with two West London teams? It's it's bizarre. But, yeah. I don't think anyone... If, yeah, they don't tend to know where any of the teams are, though. Are they? They, they just know where they are in the alphabet. I mean, looking at... Um, what do you say? I think they, on, if you look, like I always like have a quick look at the sort of Christmas fixtures as well to see what they're going to do to us. And we're away to Burnley on Boxing Day and New Year's Eve Eve um, at home to Newcastle. So that's all right for us, but for them, you know, that's the three, you know, three hour journey for them on Saturday the thirtieth, and that's a game that could easily get switched to New Year's Eve if they decide to do that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they'll do with the with the live games without being a Saturday, and obviously New Year's Eve being the Sunday. Um, Makes a change though, I suppose, because I'm thinking. Then, then again, I don't know whether Newcastle have got anyone much closer though. Um, obviously, Man United are closer, but there's no Leeds now, and uh, I suppose Sheffield would have been closer. But you know, it, it, I suppose there's a little bit of travelling. But there have been times in the past when they've done that, where they've sort of given us uh, bank holiday games, and they've had us running like literally to the other end of the country. Which maybe the maybe the uh, the, the random fixture computers just got a bit of sense to it now. And there's, you know, a bit of less random stuff taken out of it. The derbies as well. Um, I think you were saying like this is usually it's the other way around, isn't it? We play Everton away first and at home second, but, um, 21st of October, be interesting where we're up to by then. Like we should try and remember then what let's, let's see. Cause if it's anything like last season, you know, they'll already be starting to worry and we'll, well, who knows where we'll be, but at least there's no, there's no World Cup to interrupt it this time, but there is an interruption. Um, in terms of us having a full squad concern because there's that AFCON coming along, isn't it? Um, and I think you were saying, how many games are we going to lose Mo Salah for? Uh, I think it's we could lose him up to four games. There is the return of the 
you know, let's put in quotation marks, winter break. Yeah. Um, so if I remember rightly, I think they spread it out over like two weeks. So you'll have like uh, five fixtures, one week, game week. Um, I'm just scrolling through now to get to yeah, January. Yeah, January, we've got two fixtures down. Um, Chelsea at home on the 31st and Bournemouth away on the 13th, which could move to the 20th because of the mid-season yeah. break. So there's, there's obviously an FA Cup third and fourth round to factor in there as well. But I think break, maybe. Um, no, the nationals are September, October, November, thankfully, you know, because we all need them. Um, at the moment, it, it's scheduled, like, we'll play New Year's Eve, as you mentioned, the 30th of December. Then there's a two-week gap. Um, so Saturday the 13th. So I would imagine, you know, the weekend in between there is probably FA Cup, but I thought we had a winter break as well. It might be a case of being after that. Who knows? But yeah, it says on the on the official site, the, the one on the 13th subject, to, it could be changed to the weekend of the 20th as part of the league's mid-season yeah. break. So we'll only play one of those two weekends. Yeah, so the chances are they normally split it in half and five, play one week, five, play another week. Um, so, yeah... It's 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 not it's not a nice list. I think like if you if you took a a general overall glance at it, um, there's not what you call an easy run of fixtures. Um, I think I, I picked out potentially like October time. You know, Everton at home. Uh, you know, three points. Uh, Forest at home, Luton away in that tiny little stadium they got. Then Brentford at home before we we go to the Etihad. Um, and then followed by Fulham at home, Sheffield United away, Palace away. So, you know, Man City wedged in there. Obviously, you're going to be in the depths of the Europa League and who knows how we handle that. But that is probably our best mini run of games. But other than that, if you look at the grand scheme of things, quite often you'll have two or three games with usually, again, in quotation marks, a bigger game. So, you know, the top six is probably a top seven now in in the eyes of the the media with Newcastle sticking their all in. So you always seem to have you know a Chelsea, Arsenal, United, City, Newcastle always sort of wedged in every two or three games. So yeah, it'll be it'll be a challenge, but yeah, it's it's one that we welcome and you know we want to shelve the issues of last year and hopefully. You know, there's no better way than than righting the wrongs by getting off to a nice win at Chelsea on the opening day. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these Saturdays are going to be Sundays because we'll be playing on Thursdays. And hopefully, anyway, hopefully like that goes on into the second half of the season because we've we stayed in the damn thing, you know. But um, I think it'd be, you know, it'll be a change to be in the Europa League. But it's, it just feels sad as well. It just feels sad to be um, 
thinking we're not in the Champions League after we fought so hard to get back into it after missing out. But that's that's where we're at, and that's why this season's so important, isn't it? And um, Jude Bellingham went to Real Madrid. That was all um, announced the other day. But just before that, at least we got our signing. Um, I mean, Jude Bellingham's transfer fee is nowhere near as high as it was made out that it was going to be. I know there's add-ons, but the actual sort of base starting figure, I mean, unless they're just... Um, like stupid add-ons that, you know, are guaranteed to be hit, then that wasn't as high a fee as I, as I was expecting it to be. Um, but then there is a play we did sign. Of course, we got, we got Alexis McAllister in, um, for an undisclosed fee. I've not even heard any rumors what the fee is, but I'm guessing it's way below the Jude Bellingham money. And maybe, uh, maybe the wages are a bit lower as well. Yeah. I think, well, we'll start off on the McAllister fee because I know, you know, with, it's undisclosed, but I think, you know, it's well documented. It's roughly around 35 million, uh-huh. um, rising to, I think, around 50 odd million with add ons. And, you know, that's, that's not too bad. Considering, you know, the last just won the World Cup and was probably one of the standout players for Brighton this season. Um, in comparison to, um, uh, I think it's around 88 million, something like that. Real Madrid have played, yeah. um, for Jude. And then, around 25 million or so give or take in add-ons which you know you'd imagine probably you know win the league win the Champions League whatever probably realistic or achievable add-ons as you say but I think it's the salary um, that that's probably the sticking point for, for a lot of people I think it's it's touted that around about 9 to 10 million quid a year so you know I don't think he's going to be shopping um, in the bargain aisle um, for the next few years so I think he's, he, he's going to be picking up a, a healthy wedge let's just say um, while he's over in Spain and enjoying the luxuries of the Spanish lifestyle but I think it's it's a case of had we have done our business correctly over the last few years and probably got you know the one or two midfielders in that we're probably now looking at getting this year over the last couple of years you know replenish the squad and done those things that we've all said we we needed. We all said we needed like one or two more, and it probably would have helped us along the way. We then might have been look, looking at this summer, saying, "Right, we need you know maybe a squad depth in midfield, and then we can go all out on on trying to get Bellingham." But yeah. the reality is, we we just don't deal with that sort of financial clout, mm-hmm. um, and we've just got to cut our cloth accordingly. It would have been lovely to have him, but. Jude doesn't solve our problems, you know, as good as he is, he's still 19 years of age, he's still got a lot to learn, he would have been great to have, but if we can get three players in for the price of what he costs, transfer fee and wages, you know, I think that's the most sensible thing because he could break down first game into the season, you could be out for the rest of the year and then, you know, you're back to square one again with less players because you've allowed, you know, a couple of lads to walk out the door on freeze, whether they played or made any impact or not, you're still statistically down numbers in your squad. So we've just got to play the smart game and and the other hand that, you know, the owners are playing with us and people will like it, people won't like it. It's just we are where we are. You know, we've if someone out there has got enough money to make a difference, then, you know, knock on John Henry's office door and make him an offer, but I'm not sure there's many of them people about. No, and I think um there's a lot a lot more as well. I think if if Bellingham came to us and 
we all sort of decided here he is, here's the answer to all our problems. That would add so much more pressure onto his shoulders as well for a 19 year old. Um, and the thing is the way, the way we are, that's kind of how we'd end up having him build because we are, you know, we did struggle so much last season that we'd sort of say, you know, he'd almost be billed as the saviour, especially with that kind of fee and those kind of wages. Whereas he goes to somewhere like Real Madrid, um, you know, big club and all the rest of it, but there's so many other players. They're so already well sorted as a club, I imagine, that, you know, he's not going to be seen as, you know, he is that kind of another squad player for them, which is kind of puts in perspective how much, you know, how far behind we are some of the other clubs in terms of spending power. But at the same time, um, you know, he's, he's kind of come from a club that's more like, say, Newcastle or somewhere. So where you're, you know, where he's performed really well and, and shown what he can do. Again, the pressure's different because the expectations aren't quite so high, if you like. I mean, I say a club like Newcastle, I mean, a club that's, you know, not ready to say we should be winning the league, a club that's saying we could win the league, you know, sort of challenging for it. I don't think there's a sort of demand, if you like, that they should win the league. Um, the way they would be, say, if you came here, because that's kind of where we're going to be. If we start next season well, you know, we, we want to win the league. That's, that's the kind of priority for next season. And I think it's easy to forget that, you know, we don't want to sort of slip back into our uh, way of thinking a few years ago, which was right at the time, which is get ourselves into the top four and get ourselves kept in the top four, you know, consolidate ourselves in there, make sure we're always in the top four. You know, we, we've had a blip is the best way we've got to look at last season, but this season has got to be, I, in my view anyway, we've got to be challenging for that title for most of the season. You know, if we don't win it, that's another story. That's another, another argument for another day, but the very least we've got to be doing is challenging for it. Yeah, I think you know we, we've all been up. You know, you've you've been lucky enough to see more than I have. You know, Liverpool winning leagues and putting trophies in the cabinet year on year. Um, I I was fortunate enough to grow up in the nineties, and we didn't do so many of them things. We got a couple, um, and you know we've had we've had fits and starts. You know, you think like the Julier two thousand and one. Uh, 2005 to 2008, like under Rafa. Yeah. Um. Then we had a few more dark days, and then then Klopp come in, and you know we we have started winning things. But you know the stories of Liverpool and the trophy cabinet has always been you know flashy and full, and at the very bare minimum going into the season, it should be right. Whatever competition trophy on the line that we enter, we want to win, and whether that is you know yeah. Your community shield, charity shield at the beginning of the season, the curtain raiser, it's still a trophy at the yeah. end of the day. Like it, it gets the it gets the good feeling. We all all think back to where we were last August and Nunes scored and that goal and thinking, you know what, we're we're gonna do it again because we were coming off the back of a potential quadruple. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people will mock domestic trophies, but again, like there's nothing better than a day out at Wembley and winning a trophy, you know. Um we, we should be challenging for things. That's the very bare minimum. And the fact that, you know, we meekly performed last season and didn't sort of put up a fight for anything, um, we're disappointing and we, we need to get back to that because if we're all honest with ourselves, if you look around the league, it's not great. Um, you know, we would say, you know, on our day, we, we, we can beat Man City. We did last year. We beat them at home. Mm-hmm. Um, we lost, we lost away, but, you know, on our day, we should have we should have beaten Arsenal home and away last season only for some horrific refereeing decisions and a couple of bad misses in the home game. But those were the two teams, Lord, as you know, the best around. And 
on our day we can put it up. It's just putting everything else around it together. Um, so I think it, it it's a huge challenge for us, but it's the bare minimum of what we expect as Liverpool fans. That it shouldn't just be like you know we oh that was a that was a good five five free thriller or you know like the good days out when we went on a away trip to I don't know like Milan. Um, and we had a great time in Milan, but you know we then went out in the next round to Real Madrid again. Um, who seems to be a nemesis in Europe, and you know brings it back to Jude Bellingham and whatever. But I think it's just going to be one of them things. I, I, I grew up listening to stories. You grew up live the stories of mm. these trophies. We want to get back to that. We feel like we should be. Um, it's going to be hard given the way the the finances are in these in these days and you know you're looking at countries running clubs like it's a hard task but we've got the manager there who's proven he can do it we just need to get you know the right recruitment and go back to what what made us so good four or five years ago like you know being smart in the market buying buying the right players rather than buying the big player you know what I mean if you you think back to like you know the signings of Mane and Ginny Wijnaldum um, even Mo Salah to, to all regards you know like labelled the Chelsea flop and, and what they've done for us we just need to get back to doing that and maybe you know Alexis McAllister is one of those sorts of signings and you know Jude Bellingham being the big glamorous star name just might not have been for us as much as we all would have loved it actually Alexis McAllister a little bit older a little bit wise a little bit longer in the tooth you know a player who is lauded by Messi for being so good especially in the World Cup you know if, if you can't get any higher praise than the best player in the world maybe of all time in, in some people's opinions then, then where are you going to get any praise so you know positivity but we've got to have a winning attitude next season we can't be just you know lulling about and thinking oh that was a good game like being honest I would swap that 7-0 for Man United win at home if we could have had a trophy in the cabinet last season like oh, yeah. as good as that seven nil was, if you just someone said we can take that away and that's a nil nil draw, but you're going to give you a trophy in return, I'd take it because that only lasts for a few days. You know the the joy and the feeling of winning seven nil against the Manx. You know it'll last until next season when we play them again. If they go and turn us over next season, that seven nil's forgotten. It's just in the history books. You can look back and laugh at it, but it didn't show anything at the end of the day. So no. so that's that's the mentality. I think we've got to approach next season, but it's got to be. A ruthless winning one. Yeah, I was in um in the grapes in town um a couple of weeks back, and like just noticed on the board there where they, where they had all the different beers on offer. Like they were all sort of numbered. Then when he got to number seven, it was seven nil. Ha ha ha! Underneath, and it's like um you know as you say, these are like little laughs, little little jokes. Getting one over the Manx is always you know a better feeling than getting one over another club. But like you say, if if the, if you played a if you won the league and you only lost two games all season and that was both against the Manx, yeah, let let them, you know, let them laugh at you, let them celebrate that they beat you twice, because that's nothing compared to that bit of silverware that you've got in that cupboard again. And that's that's what matters, isn't it? And um I think as as the season goes on, like you've got thirty eight league games, you've got all your cup games and all the rest of it. And each game that comes through, you know, you you sort of judge that game on its own merits. But overall, what you're really doing is you just sort of you know, and you, you can still follow along. I try to do the one game at a time thing, but the truth is that that's one game at a time. But when you got to the end of all the one games at a time, it's what you look back on. 
what we look back on last season is some some highlights, some moments where there's a few games that if they came back on um I mean I don't subscribe to LFC TV at the minute, but if if I did and one of the, those games came on, there's a good few I'd probably sit and watch through, you know, if they came on and stuff like that. There's plenty of others I wouldn't ever want to see again. But you know, the sad thing is there isn't going to be a programme on LFC TV that says here's our trophies for last season because there weren't any and we weren't even close really. Um but I was pleased with the way we ended the season and I think like you say, if we can get the right players in and we're all hoping that this one is the first of many. I mean, all the talk is that it is the first of, well, the first of a good few. But, you know, as much as we're sort of hoping that's the case, you just know that other clubs are going to be doing similar. And um, we talked about Newcastle. I was up in Newcastle at the weekend watching Sam Fender in St. James's Park. Now, he's obviously a big Newcastle fan. And it's, um, I mean, I love the city. I love the people. They're really friendly. Um, I know the football clubs just had a big windfall because of money that, you know, they shouldn't be proud of. But let's face it, um, after what they've been through, you can understand why they're kind of turning a blind eye to that and enjoying it. Um, and it just felt, it felt bizarre in the stadium because, uh, for one thing, there were loads of black and white flags around the place. They'd got war flags, which is their kind of like, you know, their sort of, fan flag um organizing people you know they've got loads of big flags but they have these black and white flags around the place um all, all sorts of stuff in the build-up to the gig and then i think what did they play that that um i can't think what the, the song's called now the mountain off the song that they always play with the saxophone but then they play the champions league theme and then there was like a banner saying believing again and i just thought it was so weird being there. Also, Hey Jude, they borrowed Hey Jude, but they think they changed it to Jordy instead of Hey Jude. Um, but the, the, the overall feeling I got was A, I'm in a strange place here. This is so weird. But B, how much happiness there was in the place that they had something to look forward to again and dreams that they could start believing in again. And, um, as much as I'm sort of critical of the way they've got the money, as far as the fans are concerned, I can fully see where they're at and why they're so excited. But the trouble is that is a problem for us, isn't it? Because, you know, we got McAllister. Um, we, we had to fight, we'd have had to have fought, fought off Real Madrid to get Bellingham and that's why he was able to command such a, uh, a good fee and a good wage. Um, but for every other play we're in for, we've got so much competition now and I don't know about you, but I just feel like we really need to get moving before these players get their, their heads turned to someone else. Yeah, I think, well, where we are, I think, you know, the, there's names doing doing the rounds. I think we spoke about them on the, on the previous podcast. Yeah. It was, you know, Toram and Coney, the two French lads have, have been widely muted as on our radar. I think you, you could probably say, um, and, you know, whether they arrive or not, we will see, you know, time will tell when this podcast comes out, who knows, one of them might be in a red shirt or not. <laughs> the reality is they, they go to the under 21s for France. And I think that starts like, as we are now Thursday, I think it starts like the beginning of next week or something like that. Um, and, you know, you don't have to be a genius to figure out that France have got a very good squad. Like, I had a little look at, you know, the England under 21 squad for what it was worth and Curtis Jones in there, Harvey Elliott's in there. There's probably about four other players that I know who play for the England under 21s. Mm. Then you look at the French squad and you think, Jesus Christ, they've got lads who are like, you know, real stars across Europe playing week in, week out, and, you know, like, they're no mugs that you'd fancy, you know, as long as they get their act together and, and perform to a decent standard, France should walk that competition. Um, so those lads are going to be playing football for, I think, probably three weeks um, after this weekend. So 
any deal to get them done, you would imagine might be a little bit of a tricky one. You know, how are you going to get access to them in the French squad if they're going to be moving around, um, you know, with them? And then obviously the lads are going to probably want a holiday afterwards. So, you know, anything regarding those two probably has to be done pretty swiftly, um, not only with the club, but obviously with the player themselves as well. Um, but we're not the only ones interested in them because they're, they're obviously decent players. So, you know, you, you see teams linked like Newcastle, um, Aston Villa even, to, to the likes of Kone and Toram. And you, you might scoff sometimes and think <laughs> Villa and Newcastle, but they're both in Europe. Like, as you said, Newcastle and the Champions League. Now, we haven't got that to offer. Newcastle have got bags of cash, whether you want to put that as a, you know, a legal tender sort of thing. It's up to you, but, you know, they've got money there to offer and you'd imagine at some point in the next year or two, they are going to go out and they're going to sign a player and they're going to offer them a lot more money than what we can offer them. Um, You know, Villa, attractive proposition in terms of backing European football, got a manager who knows how to win European trophies. So if you are a player... Again, let, let's look at these two lads, Kone and, and Toram at Gladbach and Nice, respectively. You know, you're going to look around and go, they've got a manager there who knows how to win in Europe. I could go to Aston Villa and maybe do a couple of years. You know, I'll get to play in European competition. Probably got a good shot at maybe winning it because he knows how to do it. Yeah. And then I'll kick on and go somewhere else even bigger than that. You know, they, they might look beyond and think like, maybe I'm going to, you know, a Bayern Munich or Real Madrid, even you know, even a PSG, because you know they are the biggest team in France. Let's let's not be around the bush here. So we have got competition for players, and maybe those teams can offer us more money because Villa aren't short in offering cash about as well for for transfer fees. So we have got to sort of get our act in order. It would be it would be nice to see less chit chat in the media and maybe more action. You know behind the scenes not that we see that but you know you'd always think back to the Fabinho transfer when we lost the Champions League final and then you know 24-36 hours later after getting over that loss bang we had this defensive midfielder in and it was all done and nobody knew anything about it you think of I think it was the Jota transfer as well it was like maybe Liverpool are looking for a forward and then within like 24 hours it was Diogo Jota's the guy Diogo Jota's signed like you would love to see us, you know, maybe acting in that manner. And um, the fact that these sorts of things are being drawn out in the media is a little bit annoying because it's, you know, sort of feels like Groundhog Day, like this off season where you get up, you think, have we signed anyone? No. Has anyone else signed someone? Probably. <laughs> is is one of our players linked to somewhere else? Quite possibly. Oh fuck! <laughs> and then yeah. you go back to bed and you try and sleep in this heat, but you don't, and then you get up and it's the same again. So. Yeah, if Liverpool could do a signing, discreet one, that would be lovely. Um, but I think we all just, you know, would have that mind numbing time of year where you just sort of want to see new players in red shirts because it's just sort of gets you that excited. And as you say, the fixtures are now out and that would all go hand in hand, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, we've got, um, I think one of the, one of the quotes that Alexis came up with was, um, 
we talked about being involved from for pre-season as well and that is so important that you know first day back at training everyone's getting back everyone's sort of I don't suppose it happens as much these days as it used to but everyone's got those holiday pounds um on them and you know they've got to get those sort of worn worn down and um I think McAllister's going to have a shock personally um you know without with no disrespect to anyone else he's played for but when he comes to Anfield and realises how much running there is to do, I think there's going to be a bit of a shot there. So at least, you know, get him in on the first day of pre-season and he's got a chance to get used to the sort of, it, with the other players, to the sort of levels that's going to be expected of him fitness-wise, but also get to know everyone nice and early as well. Get get to sort of get comfortable in the place and all the rest of it so that by the time we play our first real fixture, he's well and truly bedded in. I mean, we're talking, I mean, the the earliest fixture we've got announced is against Karlsruhe on the 19th of July, but we usually play, um, like if we play Tranmere, for example, we've usually played them around about the 12th of July. And obviously then that's the first fixture. There's obviously been some time before that while they've been back at the training ground. So there isn't long. I mean, we're probably talking three weeks maximum before the players are back for pre-season and we've just got to get them in there. We've just got to, you know, get them bedded in as nice, as early as we can. Um, because otherwise we end up, what I don't want to do is end up like we did last season where we're going all the way through pre-season, even all the way through the, the opening games of the season. Then right at the last minute, we get someone we've never heard of on loan. Um, someone who we'll never hear of again, probably. Um, our mate Arthur. So, you know, we, I don't want any of that. The only way we get that is if we've had some un- unexpected injury crisis, which I hope we don't get. But even then, we should be prepared for injury crises because we've been hit by them so often in the last few seasons that if that means you've got a few players sitting around that end up not really being used much, well, that's good because that means you didn't have an injury crisis and you didn't, you didn't actually need to use them. Um, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But talking of, um, I don't know, Talking of, of winning things, one club in England kind of won three quarters of what they could have won. Um, and apparently they had a victory parade the other night. I didn't see it. Um, I was too busy sort of watching the, the thunder and lightning here. But the, um, the, the stories I've heard is there weren't that many people there and they can't just blame it on the weather. And also, um, I've heard from someone who, let's just say, who is a student at a, university near Manchester that a hell of a lot of people there were students that were just going along for something to do and had no sort of affiliation whatsoever to Man City. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. I thought it was the Christmas sales. You know, that, <laughs> you know, no one next to a sale and like, you know, your mum or your auntie would say like, oh, I'm not drinking too much on Christmas Day because the next Boxing Day sales open at 5am. Yeah. And and then you'd get the pictures plastered all over the echo of like all, 
all the old deers waiting outside next to 530 in the pissing down rain, waiting to get in to get some reduced summer gear. Um, but, you know, if anyone's had the, the luxury of joining the other half in, in going shopping in Primark and you think, you know what, I'll just wait outside. There's, there's a cube of fellas around the block waiting for the <laughs> missus outside. It kind of looked a bit like that to me. Um, and, you know, you, you're more familiar with Manchester than me. Um, I sent the pictures to our WhatsApp group and me, me cousin works in Manchester. And he said, you know what, that just could be people going to get the train <laughs> like, yeah. or something like that. Like To call it a parade and it was a mile long, you know, kind of sums up, you know, where they are as a club. I think the, you know, it was an hour and a half to do. And you think of like, you know, Liverpool's parades that are like nine, ten miles long through all the, all the city and it's lined like minimum, you know, 20 deep all the way along the, like a nine, 10 mile route. And it takes the best part of six to seven hours that, you know, yeah. Calvin Alice has to change his CDs four or five times while he's doing the, 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 um, the tunes on the back of the bus. Then, you know, it, it shows the levels of, of the two clubs, you know, money and fluff and bluster can, you know, only present so much, you know. They even took the plastic flags to Istanbul with them, you know, <laughs> just to just to create, try and create some sort of TIFO and atmosphere. It, it, it it's laughable in a sense that, you know, what they what they've become um through the money that they've got. Um, but I guess, you know, the inevitability was they were gonna win it at some point and you know, we've had a shit season, we don't really care about this season. And they've gone and won the treble, and if anything, it's probably pissed off the red side of Manchester more than it's pissed off the red side of Liverpool because we've just become accustomed to the fact that it was going to eventually happen, and we've got our own troubles to worry about. Had we have, you know, gone toe to toe with them through the season, missed out as we have done, you know, on the last day or whatever by an odd point, and then maybe lost in the semi final to them in the Champions League, and you know, lost the FA Cup final to them like United did. You know, it would probably hurt, like really hurt. But yeah, you know, we we've had a shit, and we've got our own problems. We, we get we get our house in order first, and then we'll worry about like you know, if there's such noise coming from you know Dean's gate of the the four and a half thousand people or whatever that were there, it will have affected you know United a lot more than us. So it's done now. Um, you know, sadly we can't sing where's your European Cup at them anymore, but you know we can sing it we've won it six times and you know they might have won it in Istanbul but we won it five times in Istanbul so yes. you know we, we've still got you know things to hold on to um, you know that it will take take a monumental effort for them to to catch up to our trophy laden record but we, we just sort of get on with it I've, I've sort of you know forgot about it I think that parade will be more remembered for the fact that Jack Grealish was hammered than the fact that Man City won a treble <laughs> yeah, can't can't imagine. Didn't expect him to be uh, to to have had a few drinks. You know, he doesn't seem the type, does he, at all? Um, young, no. young English lad <laughs> yeah. um, ha- has a few boozy moments. Um, oh. You know, you, you could have put him anywhere on an eighteen to thirties club, and he wouldn't have been missed out there. But I think, in one respect, you know, people have mocked him and whatever. But you just think. I kind of see the point that he might never get this moment again in his life. So, no. so sorry. Just go for it and enjoy it. And he's he's more than enjoyed it. And the laughable thing was he, he rocked up for England duty this week. <laughs> I mean, you know, straight edge, Gareth Southgate seeing 
stinking and fumes of alcohol, Jack Reader <laughs> stumble through the door, arm in arm with Kyle Walker and Calvin Phillips carrying him through as his feet are dragging along. You probably thought, why have I even, why have I even come to St. George's Park or whatever? Like, I should have just been on a plane somewhere else. But, you know, England at England and, and they come first. So, you know, Gareth yeah. probably wanted them there to, to, to give a teacher's report. That was another reason, actually, I was sort of uh, another consolation for not getting Jude Bellingham because I, mean, I used to hate it when we had Michael Owen, and every time there was like a, a you know a bad tackle or you know a dodgy tackle on Owen, any time he went down, it's oh oh, and whoever the England manager was that week, I'd be worried, be worried here about Michael. Oh, he'd be hoping he gets up again, and be hoping that's nothing serious. I'm like, never mind them. We're fucking hoping it's nothing serious. You know, he's our main striker. You know, fuck England. Never mind, never mind them. But it was always oh, England will be worried. The England boss will be concerned. England fans will be hoping that's nothing big. You know. He plays for a team in this country that, you know, be more worried about them. Thank you. Um, so in a way, that was a sort of consolation with Jude Bellingham. Another thing with Man City as well is, um, we've, we've, we said it over and over again, but there's a few people sort of trying to get, get it sort of to be a bit, a little bit louder, I would say, but, um, they've won all of this. They're still under investigation and nothing seems to be happening. You know, it was announced that there's some charges against them. Then it all went quiet. You know, to me, if you've got the evidence, just do it. Do them. Get it done. And, and let's move on. If you've not got the evidence, then don't say, you know, don't start saying stuff. But they must have evidence. So just get it sorted and stop them winning anything else illegally because the more you do it, the more it's going to look a farce. Because if you end up backdating all of this wrongdoing, you know, you're not going to take all the titles off them, but it's going to, you know, it's going to sort of, it devalues the competition and all the rest of it. So it just, it just needs sorting, like stop giving them any more time to keep doing this. You know, you know, it's as if the authorities are just waiting until it's taken so long that it won't matter. You know, oh, it was all in the past. They've, they've got the house in order now. Cause I imagine there'll come a time when they have got their house in order. Um, but they're only going to get the house in order by spending and spending and spending more than they should, you know, at some point. They should be called out for that. So um it's a frustration, but that's just one of those things. And I've got a theory on that. Yeah. You know, there could be 115 theories out there, but <laughs> um I have got one. Um they're under investigation, as are our close neighbours across currently Stanley Park, maybe across the other side of the city, um, in a year or two's time, we will see. Yeah. But Everton, um I was in the barbers today. Um, and one of the lads who, who works there is a is a big Everton fan, and was, we were having a chat because obviously the fixtures were out and whatever. Um, and he was pretty pessimistic as to their chances for the season, which sort of Can't shows where they are. <laughs> but he said, like the FFP stuff isn't here till October, and you know he could even hit us with a points deduction and blah de blah. But from what I sort of can gather, they're under sort of similar investigations, you know, like not sort of clean with the books and transfer dealings that might not be over legitimate reasons and whatever. I think, you know, if the authorities go after Everton and and slap them down in some sort of way, whether it be, you know, transfer ban, point deductions, you know, a fine would affect Everton more than it affect Man City because they've got unlimited money resources. But, you know, some sort of action that would see you know, a drastic effect to the fortunes of the club, especially Everton. Would that not then set the precedent for, right, well, this is what will happen if you do wrong and be that maybe, you know, a points deduction or whatever, like you've seen in the EFL, like um, the likes of Wigan and Redden 
um, went down from the championship due to you know financial irregularities led to point deductions. We'll go for Everton first, and we'll prove this is what will happen, and then we'll go for the big fish. Yeah. Then we'll go for Man City because we've proven, you know, this is what what will happen, and Everton are a smaller sort of fish to catch and deal with. Well, careful! And don't then, say small. Don't say small club. Whatever you do, you never really end it. <laughs> and then, and then we'll go for for Man City because you know we can prove our our reasonings as such. Then. Um, you know, I, I don't know when the Man City here in Obedia, I'm sure the the silver tongued lawyers are probably dragging it out for as many uh, pennies and dollars that it's worth. But I just think that's how it might pan out, that they'll go for Everton, then they'll go for City. Um, because at least then it'll be, right, well, we're slapping everyone with the same book. Um, and whether that's, you know, then Chelsea to come further down the line because, you know, their financial dealings aren't exactly, you know, the cleanest of cleans. Um, we will see. But that that's just a small fairy that I have, that they'll go for the Blues, then they'll go for City. Yeah, that could be. I mean, that, that would make sense also. The, the thing about the lawyers as well is, I mean, for all the money that's behind the Everton owner and how much he'll not want to sort of lose any more money than he's already had, already lost... Um, they won't have the same kind of access to lawyers because, you know, that, that's how so many, I mean, it's the thing that's wrong with the world, really, how the more money you've got, the easier it is to win a legal case. You know, it shouldn't matter how much money you've got, um, but it does. And that's in a way, that's probably what's going to help City keep it string, keep stringing it out. And as you say, if, if Everton get done first, they haven't got the same kind of access to lawyers. They can't keep throwing money at lawyers to the same extent. And then once there's precedent, like you say, I agree. You know, that could, that could well be what happens. And, um, but even then, it's taking too long. I mean, it's sort of causing uncertainty for Everton, I'm sure. Um, you know, they're trying to get investment in and all the rest of it and not knowing whether they were going to stay up or not didn't help them get investment in. Um, not knowing whether or not the charges are going to be enough to see them deducted points. And, you know, let's face it, if they got the book thrown at them, they could end up being relegated at the end of this season, despite having a fairly good season, you know, because they could get enough points taken off and for that to happen. Um, you know, we just don't know. But the fact that no one knows just keeps this uncertainty going and you just, just wish they'd just get the fingers out and get things sorted. Um, more uncertainty at Everton though. Um, they had an announcement, which I've just been trying to find on their website and I'm sure they only announced it like, was it yesterday, the day before? And it's buried way down now on the site. And that's because they've had a change of, um, changes to Everton Board of Directors. Uh, Denise Barrett Baxendale, um, the CEO, she's leaving or left. Um, uh, Grant Ingalls, who's the uh, chief finance and strategy officer, he's leaving. And ex player Graham Sharp, who's a non exec director, he's also leaving. Well, they've all left, it says. Um, the, the weird thing is that, um, the man who I reckon is probably the biggest cause of the problems is the kind of common denominator in a lot of what's going on. Mr. Kenwright, he's not leaving yet. And there's going to be an announcement soon, apparently, about him. But it's not really clear what it is. And also, they've not got anyone to come in and replace them yet. And they're going to get some interim people in um, before they get the real people in. It all sounds a bit, I don't know, sounds really Everton, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a question I would always do if Denise went out in the restraints of a headlock um, <laughs> or not because those were the stories doing the rounds not so long ago when that she was given a headlock in a corridor and 
maybe knuckle dusted across the head. Um, but yeah, it, you know, if you speak to any Everton fan, I think you know they're at the point now where you know Bill had to go many years ago, but Bill won't go. I, you know, you see the United fans when they lose a game and they get the knotted scarves out and they all, oh, the Glazers this, the Glazers that. But then when they win, it's fine. I think just with Everton, it's just like Bill has to go regardless. You know what I mean? Like he, he, he's a stain on the club, and I think some some fans of an old generation will say that you know he he done his best and he he helped us out here and there, but he's well out of his depth. Maybe he's waiting to to see the the new stadium eventually get finished and built, and then maybe he wants a stand named after him. You know, like the Bill Kenwright stand, and you know. I don't. I don't imagine many people are queuing up for season tickets at Everton, given the way they are at the moment. But would you want to queue for a season ticket in the Bill Kenwright stand? <laughs> um, given you know, if you were an Evertonian, then on all the the stories going on about him. But but you'd be on yeah, your own, the, wouldn't you? In there, so I suppose being in the bill and on the bill on your bill is the same sort yeah. of thing, isn't it? Like all the you know the the internal um, was it internal vacancy sort of promotions and stuff it, it does just seem a little bit like you know jobs for the boys and you know you think back to you know David Unsworth got jobs he had the manager's job he was a, a reserve team manager he was this he was that and you think like well it didn't do you any good in the past so why are you still doing it you know like they kept Big Dunk on the books for so long because yeah. he was never a legend for scoring 30 odd goals or something across five six years or whatever it was Um well, he strangled people, so he was all right. Um, you know, it just think I they they think they're a big club, and in the history of football, English football, you know, Everton are a, a decent-ish club, like decent sized club. Like you know, they're not the giants, but they're a very well-respected club across English football historically. But they don't act like one. Like Evertonians will tell you that they're as big as us, and the city's blue. But you're acting like a Championship League One club where you're thinking like if if Tim Kale you know was knocking about maybe we give him a job or you know let's think about it, maybe you know Andy Van der Meder might have got his nose clean and thinking you know I'll have a job there because I used to play for Everton for a bit maybe you know Yakubu's doing not on these days maybe we can give him a, a job as a scout or something like that it just sort of smacks of like we're not really thinking outside the box. We're just yeah, looking at the, if you're looking at the jobs, CVs that were at the bottom of the pile and thinking, ah, they've been there for years, give them one. I don't need a VPN, I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. 
Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, you like you've got to give them jobs. The, you, I mean, the way you show the way you show X players legends, if you like, and some of those names that you mentioned are Everton legends, even if you know they're not legends to a lot of people. Um, you give them you give them a job in the lounge, don't you? In the executive suites, in the um, corporate part of the ground, you give them a job by having them, um, you know, opening a supermarket for you or whatever else you do. You know, you give them that kind of a gig, don't you? You give them a. Um, the sort of gig that a lot of Liverpool players have got, if you go down any of the executive lounges or whatever you want to call them at Anfield, you know, there'll be an ex-player popping in at some point to sort of, you know, say something and, you know, sign a few autographs or whatever. That's the kind of job that we give to our ex-players because unless they've got um the ability to do something more than that, then that's that's all you should be giving them. And even they would say that, you know, that's... Every single one of them would love to come in and be a caretaker manager for the club if they, if they were called for. But I'm sure they would admit themselves they shouldn't be getting called for because that's not their experience. You know, um, even the stuff about Steven Gerrard automatically being linked as being the next Liverpool boss. You know, he's not done enough yet as a manager, despite what he did as a player. He's not done enough as a manager to be really in the reckoning for any Liverpool manager's job at the moment. And that's some people might disagree, but I just think that's not the kind of appointment we should be looking for that we shouldn't be doing sentimental appointments but like you say Everton are just full of this sentimental stuff and in some ways they are a big club they were one of the first you know they're older than us they've been around for all this time they've been in the top flight for whatever it is um they've won things I mean certainly when I was growing up they were definitely competition to us definitely that they were you know we were the two biggest teams in the in the country probably at the time but what's happened in the years since is they've turned themselves into a small club and I'd say that's happened under Kenwright so um the other thing as well is the announcement was actually on Monday I've noticed and it said there, w- there would be announcements on the future of the chairman Kenwright in 48 hours so it's now Thursday so that's not far that's more than 48 hours and as far as I know, there hasn't been an announcement yet. So, as you say, he's clinging on, isn't he? He's clinging on for dear life. Um, and he's just going to drag him down doing it by the sounds of it, which, you know, one half of me is like, God, for the sake of Everton, get out. But the other half of me is like, you know, it's like having Solskjaer at the, in the Man United manager's job. Just mm. sit back, rubbing your hands and watch it. Yeah. Um, he, he, I get the fear and he, he, he doesn't want to go. Like he's, he's done tied to the club that he's he's probably trying to swindle some sort of way where he can still you know have a have an impact or be a non-executive director or whatever he is or be be connected somehow in the club but you know he's not short of a few quid I'm sure he can afford a season ticket at Goodison Park or whatever the new ground's going to be called Um, who's leading the club though because whoever's you know someone should be running it and saying Sorry, Bill, your time's up. I mean, when David Moore's sold out to the Americans, they just basically said, um, they gave him a sort of role, didn't they? Sort of life president or something sort of role. Um, you know, just you, to sort of keep you, you go and but, stand over there and yeah, you're, you're connected to the club. Like, yeah, like that's what he should be I don't, getting. I don't really know what, what's going on. Like, we, we live in an, in and amongst Evertonians and we, you know, spend a lot of time amongst them and, they don't really want to talk about it because I don't think they know what's going on. No. Like, you know, you've still got the, the, the Uzmanov sort of, he's not allowed to sort of do any sort of financial dealings or workings in the country because of his 
his connections to to where he's from. I think Usmanov is Uzbeki, but has got a lot of connections to to Russia, and um, you know that's a whole minefield itself. He's on the but, sanctions list, I think. Yeah, he's he's banned from doing any sort of dealings and business within England. Um, but then there was always a feeling that Mishiri was the face for that anyway. Um, you know, from from a lot of Evertonians that you know Mishiri was had had his face in the round football and. Usmanov was the guy in the background pulling the strings and he was the puppet doing the dancing. Um, but is Mishiri making the decisions? Because if he is, he's not making the right ones if you ask any Evertonians. And, like, it all just seems a grand mess of what's going on. Um, and, again, as I say, a reference to, to the, the lads I was speaking to earlier on today, they... They're very pessimistic about the season, and that's because the fixture list has come out. And you think, I, I, I think Everton, if they keep Sean Dyche, will be fine next year because I, I do believe there's probably three worse teams than them in the league. Like I've got, could be well wrong on this one, but I've got no confidence in Sheffield United and Luton coming up. With all due respect to them, I just think it's going to be too big of a gap. Um, Burnley might. Do okay. Like, I imagine there'll be players who Burnley may attract based on the Vincent Company connection. You know, like they've got a couple of Man City um, ex youngsters there. So, like, you know, players from good stock. And I am, I think that Burnley might have enough. But you do fear for the for the likes of the second season syndrome with Bournemouth and, and Nottingham Forest. Um, have Crystal Palace made the right appointment? Because as of yet, they've not made one. Wolf Sahar is meant to be out the door. You know, there's talks of Eze and Elise leaving like their star players. Um, you know, teams who there's a lot of question marks over and if Everton can have a little bit of continuity with a guy who's in all essence kept them up this year, but he's kept Burnley up in, in several years gone by. I think they'll be okay, but it doesn't solve the problem because they're they're not going anywhere, they're just surviving, they're just existing. Um and that one won't be enough for Evertonians at all up and down the land like they they don't believe they should exist they believe that they should be you know they should be in Europe you know David Moyes has won a European trophy David Moyes has won a trophy yeah. before Everton have won a trophy <laughs> you know like all the years that they had David Moyes there and he's gone and won something eventually and they're still trophyless and you could probably put a good wedge of money on that they're not actually going to win anything in the next year's coming because the way they are but at least it gives us a source of entertainment and we'll always harp back to it and however how bad things are going for us there's always evidence uh, yeah and I think I believe they're being sued by Ancelotti aren't they as well um, I heard something I, eyebrows raised over that one you could say yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean it, two years ago you know that's been you can imagine he's trying to I mean I don't know the story so obviously you've got to sort of try and be impartial a little bit but for it to take two years suggests that there's been efforts made to try and do it all sort of you know in a sort of gentlemanly way behind the scenes you know and keep it quiet don't make him look like he's a you know, he wanted to be made made out to be like a money grabber but at the same time they shouldn't be wanting to be made out like skin flints who don't sort of keep their side of a bargain but that's what's what it's looking like and I'm sort of thinking you know He's not short of cash. It must be sort of principal thing, if anything. Then another thing with Everton, without sort of making this an Everton podcast, is um, just a, 
a relatively minor thing I just spotted when I was looking for that other story, but they've actually gone into a partnership with Ticketmaster, who anyone who goes to gigs will know as sort of the worst ticket agency going. They're the ones who sort of they, they sort of make touting a sort of business almost by um like surge pricing on tickets and things like that. They they've got such a monopoly as well on concerts. It's I just don't think any football club should be going into business with them. No, I, I yeah, I hate, I hate Ticketmaster. I you say trying to get concert tickets is an absolute nightmare. Trying to get Liverpool tickets is chaos, and I'm dreading the fact that probably now that the fixtures have been announced, the good old members' sale will be coming up in the next <laughs> two or three weeks, which means. I'm in the fortunate position that I've got a lot of credits in the bank and I get one of the, you know, advanced sales to tickets. But you still have to get up at eight o'clock in the morning, set up your laptop and sit there and have a neighbor's wait to see what position queue of the many thousands you are yeah, to get in yeah. to get your tickets. It, that, that itself is, is annoying. There's someone I know, he goes, he goes into the office like and they say five or six computers or whatever, iPads or whatever, gets them all lined up just trying to get you know, running round between them trying to get on. Yeah, it, it, it's chaos. Um, you know, if Liverpool maybe is proactive in sorting the ticket website out as they were in, you know, ensuring a builder who took a video from the Anfield Road stand getting sacked, you know, maybe things would be a bit, bit more better run behind the scenes in the club in that respect. Um, but yeah, the the Everton partnership is, is odd. Maybe, maybe it's some sort of scheme where Ticketmaster are going to give tickets away <laughs> because... You know, there's, there's competitions. You know, like years years ago, you used to uh, collect tokens off the side of a cereal box, and you could send off to win tickets for whatever, or you could get discounts at, at theme parks and stuff. Maybe that's what they're giving with Everton. If you, you know, if you collect so many tokens off a Subway Cup, then you know <laughs> you can enter a, a ticket master draw for for a free ticket for Everton. Um, the best one with we- Everton was when the when we were sponsored by One to One, the mobile phone company, which I think eventually became EE. Um, they were sponsored by them. And if you took out a new contract with them, you could have a half season ticket for free. And and even then people thought, you know what, I'll have no signal and I'll take orange. <laughs> <laughs> because why why would I want a free half season ticket for Everton and maybe a dodgy signal? No, I'll just have no signal at all and no one can contact yeah. me. Um don't need a phone. No, but I think, you know, it it it's sort of Gibbs was a topic of entertainment with them. I think they, they always are the gift I keep on giving. Um, and it, it, even today, like the fiction has come out and, and they're not happy because, you know, you, you, you'd think, you know, optimism and, you know, look, look, at, look at what you've got, you know, coming up, you've got a brand new season, you, you know, you've got a, you've got a start to it and whatever. Um, and then I seen like complaints on, on Twitter that the moan like, Oh, we we've got we've got City at home on Boxing Day. You know what I mean? Like that's our Christmas ruined and sort of thing. But <laughs> but but at least it'll stop the Reds winning the league. You know what I mean? And and then like oh, we've got to go to Everton. It, Everton have got to go to Arsenal on the last day game of the season. We're never going to win there. If we need to stay up. And you think like have a little bit of optimism, lads. Yeah, come on. Like I look at the I look at their running right now as we are. Um, you know. Last five games, home to Forest, home to Brentford, away to Luton, home to Sheffield United, and away to Arsenal. If they're in the same position that they're in last season, and they can't scrape enough points from them games, and then have to go to Arsenal in the last game of the season to need something to stay up, yeah. they deserve to go down. Exactly. Because yeah. that is a generous running of all. 
you know, a couple of te- three teams there that have been promoted in the last two seasons, and Brentford at home, who, you know, at that point of the season, may well just have nothing left to play for, but that's a generous running, and I still see the moaning at the fixture list has been mean to them, because, like, you know, you look, look through the games, and they've got, like, they've got to go to United in March, and then they, they host us, and you think, well, everyone's got to play each other twice, like, just get on with it. I think that's why they're unhappy, though, because they've looked and every single game they've got to play someone better than them, and it's really cut them down. You know, they've realised this. Um, they've not got an easy game. But that thing about it'll ruin me Christmas, that, that just, that's just what they're like. They're like, they just see the downside to everything, unless they're having that sort of delusional moment where it's something that can hurt us. Like, you just, you know, that's them in a, in a nutshell, isn't it? Um, just quickly as well, I think slight change of subject in a way in a big way but um, talking about fans of other clubs really that at the cup final a Man United fan has been arrested I don't know what's happened to him since for wearing 97 he's not enough on the back of his shirt I mean to go to the trouble of having that printed to be somewhere as well where they'd actually print it for you I mean I'd love to know who printed it for him you know you've gone to some sports direct or something um, and you've got someone who's got no knowledge of football whatsoever and you know you spun them some line so they'll put it on um you know which me sales target or something or they knew full well what they were doing so that's 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 another thing in itself they should be in trouble for even printing it but to go to all that that trouble to spend all that money on a shirt with that on the back just to have a little go at us you know in in such a horrible way but it's a game that we're not even playing in it just it's just so small minded and pathetic um you know it, it was even fans defending it yeah. Which was even worse. Like, okay, the city had gone and done that. But then, you know, you went on, on social media and he was like, it's not got, it's nothing to do with Jews. You know, he, the whole victim, you know, FC thing comes out and all yeah. that. Bollocks. Or they were like, it's, it was referring to 97 points wasn't enough. And, you know, we didn't win the <laughs> league. And stop it. Like, just stop it. Like, you're making yourself out to be an absolute idiot. Everyone knows full well what it means, and it, it it's annoying. I I I find myself at times getting embroiled in Twitter debates, we could say, and then just thought, you know what? Why am I even wasting my time? I'll just block you yeah. because I'm not having any any sort of interaction with you because I think I it's winding me up, and I shouldn't be getting wound up over this. But yeah, like there's it it is a, it's a horrible reality that there's that many idiots in the world, and there's that many idiots in this country, and there's that many idiots who have this preconceived mindset and the absolutely adamant that that is what happened and that was the reality and we're the ones who were always wrong. But, you know, as we always say, the truth eventually will always come out and we'll fight and fight and we will get there eventually. Um, but there is one piece of positive news in the fact that I think it was a Tottenham fan yeah. has been has been banned for three years from... Um, from all football games because of actions um, that he made during the Tottenham visit to Anfield uh, at the back end of last season. So one can only hope that that is a sign of things to come, that people will be caught and people will be prosecuted for, for such actions and such, you know, ill statements because it, it does affect people. Like me or you might be fortunate enough to not actually have the full, you know, emotional, personal trauma of having a family member there at the time and lost. But 
we're part of the Liverpool family. We're part of the the big family of this great city. Yeah, and we all feel it as much as anyone else. Like you, there's nothing worse than than when you hear some of the things you hear at the games. But we rise above it. But you just hope that you know authorities can be as big as what they think they are, and if they're willing to put people in jail for illegally streaming football, well. Yeah. about going one step further and actually catching people who are making large miseries, not, you know, putting a few football matches on the internet. Yeah, I mean, this this was a 25-year-old, so, you know, people around him should be educating him. You know, he's, he's a young lad, um, relative to, say, someone like me who was around when Hillsborough happened. He's, you know, and, and his equivalent, you know, the, the the equivalence of me at Spurs, you know, the, the people my age at Spurs fans should be telling him how wrong it is but you know for a fact they'll just be ignoring it or or, or encouraging it um ignoring it at the very least kieran darlow from welling apparently um that was um that was in april so that was only a couple of months ago and that's been um the, you know the game towards the end of the season so that's been quite quickly done that three-year banning order and i just hope that is that's the thing that is that you know they keep getting them and keep showing them that it's wrong and and maybe that's where the education finally comes and people realize that you know it's just it's just i mean and if, above all else it's just so sad that that's what you get your kicks from and i hope you know i hope you're getting your kicks like you know for the next three years you can't watch a football game legally um which is a shame for you isn't it because you're obviously not really asked about football anyway if you think it's okay to do this kind of stuff um just to kind of finish things off then away from all that um no news really yet about new signings. We've had a little bit of a talk about that. No new, um, no, no more news really at all because the club's just gone into quiet mode because everyone's off. Um, you know, even, uh, like we said before, and didn't we, that our new, uh, director of football guy was just sort of almost photoshopped with Klopp because it looked like they couldn't get him in the same room at the same time. But, um, just now really, we think we, we've said already, haven't we? Midfield is where we need to go, but, there's just a little chance that maybe Trent could be the one, but England, are they going to use him in there? I, heard, I can't remember who they said. They've, they've, they're struggling for midfielders, so they're looking at other... Um, some I can't remember who it was now. There was someone they were going to put into midfield that was just hopeless. Uh, John Stones, maybe? That was it. I'm thinking, why would you put him in midfield when you've got Trent? Because Pep just want to treble and they play them there, so he's obviously the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I hope Trent doesn't play there because I, no. I just don't want him to. I'd like, with with all due respect, lad, I'm sure he, you know, there's no higher honour than being picked to represent your country when there's so many players who could play for you for the actual country. Um, but I don't want him to play. I don't want him to play a minute at all. He probably will get some minutes, you'd imagine, um, across whatever games they're playing. I think they're playing Malta and someone else. I don't know. I don't really care. No. But, <laughs> you know, as long as Trent's if he does play, come through unscathed, you know, as a decent performance for his own sake, you know, maybe, you know, puts the naysayers back in the box and, you know, shuts them up and, you know, educates them in terms of football in terms. But all we want is for him to, to come through a game unscathed. Um, I see Virgil played 120 minutes last night against Croatia in some Nations League oh. knockout thing, whatever. Um, and Gapo paid the best chunk of 90 or 100 minutes as well. Um, but no obvious ill reports of injury. So you just want these lads to get through 
enjoy the weather. Get on holiday. Like we're stiflingly hot in England as it is at the moment for for our you know climate. But these lads have have got to get themselves on holiday and and get a break because what's about to come for the next twelve months is going to be a lot of hard work. So yeah, get get your games if you've got to play for them, but get through them unscathed, un, uninjured, and get yourself on a holiday and enjoy a few. Um, martinis or whatever they might drink but if you if you like Mo Salah then you're probably still in the gym even though you're out on holiday because you could look at pictures of that lad and you think well I'm never going to have a holiday body if that's what he's working on after the end of a season in work <laughs> yeah 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 what's yeah what's a day off for him like it's probably like yeah it's like a death day for us probably what he does um he's he's yeah he's I think you're right I think that that's that's the way to look at it. These, if I was an international, yeah, you'd want to. I understand why you'd want to play for your country. I understand what that means and that chance to sort of get more success and to be, you know, to get those caps and all of that. I, I understand why. I mean, we've got no love for England, but uh, we fully understand that if someone like um, like Ali wants to play more games for Brazil, because like you know, we fully get that. So you know, you try and put yourself in that sort of head, and you can see why they'd want to play for England. But the thing is, it's not the most important thing as far as I'm concerned and I'm sure they feel the same so I hope they do have the sense to just um, shout up if they've got any worries about injuries just make it clear they're not going to play if they've got any kind of struggle going on just recharge the batteries and get back because um, we need them we need them Um, the season starts soon as much as it feels like it's forever off it'll soon be here middle of June soon becomes middle of July soon becomes middle of August and before you know it we've got that game against Chelsea Um just thought we're all good for it and we sign more players by then for us though I think that's it for now for this week we'll be back soon and hopefully as always there'll be more to talk about I'm hoping a couple more players but you know don't hold your breath on that one but for now that's been me Jim Boardman and Jay Reed, and this has been Scouser Tommies thanks for listening and we'll see you soon we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show the best way to get in touch is over on our free discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest lfc topics 24 7 sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord you won't regret it you can also follow us on twitter at anfield index and find us on facebook by searching for anfield index Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.